This week's episode is brought to you by Bureau Veritas. At Bureau Veritas, each and every member of the team is by your side to help you navigate your decarbonization journey. This is Green Seas, the podcast by Tradewinds about the environment and the business of the ocean. I'm Eric Priante Martin, and today we're going to take a look at the car carrier sector's shift to alternative fuels. We're looking at the vehicle shipping business for a second week because there's a big change going on in this sector. Across the shipping industry, data from shipbroking giant Clarkson's shows that about 49% of vessels under construction at shipyards are being built to run on alternative fuels. A lot of this is liquefied natural gas, or LNG, and methanol has been gaining traction. But if you look at the 166 vessels known as pure car carriers or pure car and truck carriers that are on order, the percentage is much higher. These are the ships whose main job is to carry cars as cargo from the countries where they're manufactured to the markets where they're sold. By my count, using Clarkson's data, 86% of the new buildings on order in this sector are being constructed to run on alternative fuels. Primarily, it's LNG, but China Merchants Energy Shipping has booked a pair of methanol fuel vessels. Some are also hybrid vessels that will run on LNG, but also have batteries. Of the 24 new buildings that are not being built alternative fuel capable, all but two are labeled as ammonia-ready or methanol-ready. These are ships being constructed in a way that allows their owners to shift to these alternative fuels in the future. And the ship owners making these orders will tell you that they have emissions on their minds when they choose these alternative fuels. Andreas Anger is chief executive of Hoag Autoliners in Norway. His company has ordered ships that are being built to run in LNG, but they'll be ready to use methanol or ammonia as a fuel. I wanted to ask him about what's driving the car carrier industry to have emissions so high on the agenda. Is it the car makers that are the sector's main customers, which he refers to as OEMs or original equipment manufacturers? Or is it the upcoming regulation from the European Union and the International Maritime Organization? I think it's both of them, but it definitely comes from the, the customer side in the sense that, you know, when I talk to our large uh, rural customers, particularly automotive OEMs, they tell us that, you know, three years ago, they didn't know and they didn't care about the carbon footprint of the, the vessels they were using. Actually, right now, they admit that they don't care too much either, because if they get space, they'll take it. But, but you know, they're quite, uh, you know, clear that, you know, in 2025, it will be transparency and it will matter, right? But then I think it's also important with regulation in the sense that, you know, we are big proponents of stronger regulation or you know if carbon emissions is one of the biggest problems in the world it's uh, ridiculous that it's actually free to emit so so carbon taxes and 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 also incentives for using green fuels is a, is a very important part of you know lowering the price gap to a level where the uh, our customers will can allow themselves to switch but th- i think the main driver is that you know Large automotive, uh, you know, OEMs in the world, they are going green on their product. They're going renewable on on their their production sites. They're starting to source green steel and aluminium. And, uh, and, you know, uh, our part of the value chain, uh, you know, rises to the top of the carbon uh, footprint for some of, for particularly their electric vehicles. As listeners to this podcast have already heard, Hogue Autoliners is positioning itself to be one of the early adopters of ammonia as a shipping fuel. 
Unlike methanol or LNG, ammonia is promising because it has no carbon in its molecule. But like all alternative fuels, there's a catch. Most ammonia is made from fossil fuels, so it has carbon emissions in its supply chain, and it emits other things when burned on a vessel, like nitrous oxide, which is also a greenhouse gas. But another plus is that green ammonia, that's the kind that isn't made from fossil fuels, is expected to be cheaper than green methanol. The rub is that there are no ammonia engines available now. It's new technology. But engine makers are working to change that, as well as to ensure that it's used safely, given that ammonia is toxic. And Hogue isn't jumping headlong into ammonia. Its first new buildings on order will hit the water before those ammonia engines are ready. And though it has letters of intent with engine maker MAN Energy Solutions and China Merchants Heavy Industries, to install them, the new buildings are also methanol ready. But Anger said ammonia could be added relatively inexpensively when the engines become available in the next few years. So the reason we are trying to make ammonia happen is that, and I actually think there is a broad consensus that uh, ammonia is a more scalable and longer term, lower cost, you know, green fuel than green methanol, simply because methanol contains carbon molecules and you need carbon capture as part of the production process to, uh, to make it green. Uh, and and we also are taking the position that longer term, uh, you know, methanol is a fuel that is, you know, usable in much broader applications. We will compete with aviation. You can compete with, with, with you know, all types of other things. While, well, uh, you know, ammonia has some complexities to it that makes it, uh, we, be we believe we can make it suitable for large uh, deep sea vessels. Uh, it will not be as suitable for airplanes and other applications, right? So we, we believe it's a better longer-term choice. For more insight into what's going on in the car carrier order book, I also turned to MAN, which not only makes conventional engines, but also those that run on LNG, methanol, and ammonia. Thomas Hansen heads sales and promotion of two-stroke engines at the company, but he's not just a salesman, he's also an engineer by training. And he walked me through the ins and outs of how some of these alternative fuel engines work. He said different shipping sectors have different dynamics in terms of the willingness by charterers, the shipping company's customers, to pay for the lower carbon footprint offered by alternative fuels. Car carrier segment is a segment which is quite close to the end customer because in customer being the car manufacturer, for instance. So car manufacturers, they are actually, you could say, chartering the vessels to transport their cars from A to B, and, and they are then acting as the customer, and they are interested in having their cars transported with minimum uh, uh, greenhouse gas uh, footprint. So that is what is driving this uh, order uptake of fuel fuel engines in the car carrier segment or pure car and truck carrier segment. As mentioned, LNG has dominated the car carrier order book. While methanol has seen rapid uptake over the last year in other sectors, particularly container ships, Hansen explained that the engine size used for large car carriers was not yet available for this fuel. But that has changed, which is why China Merchants Energy Shipping was able to order its methanol-fueled car carriers with engines from MAN. That is, you could say, maybe the first in a trend. I think this segment will be open to any kind of, of alternative fuel which can give them decarbonization. LNG, and that may in the future be synthetic uh, LNG, right, or bio-LNG. And now when methanol has become available, they are also looking into that. HERC, as you rightfully mentioned, are very open for uh, ammonia as a fuel, and they really want to have that as soon as they can. 
When it comes to ammonia, MAN has achieved some important milestones. We started combusting ammonia in Copenhagen on our test engine here in July uh, this year. It has been very positive so far. The uh, the tests are going really well and actually beyond expectation. Of course, we prepare for, for difficulty and prepare for the worst, but actually it has, uh, pro- is proceeding very well. So we are very confident about bringing the product, um, the first uh, pilot projects uh, on the water or delivering the first engines anyway by the end of 2024. And then the shipyard can integrate them in the ship and put the ship out. One of the shipping industry's main reservations about ammonia is its toxicity. While ships have been carrying ammonia safely as cargo for years, a key element in the development of ammonia engines is to ensure that crew members and the environment can be kept safe from its toxic properties when used as a fuel. But Hansen told me that those tests in Copenhagen have reinforced MAN's confidence that that safe use of ammonia as a fuel can be achieved. Looking at every angle to ensure safety has been central to that effort, and there's growing interest in ammonia from ship owners. This is a reverse sales. I have to say, no, the, the product is not ready yet. And I don't want to take your order because this is not how we do it. We, we cannot price the product when we don't know how it will look we, and so on and so forth. So you have to wait until it's readily developed and then you can buy it. It should be noted that all these ships are dual fuel, meaning they can still run on conventional marine fuel oil. But as ship owners look at other fuels, LNG is still the top alternative. Just last month, Japanese shipping giant Mitsui OSK Lines ordered five large car carrier new buildings that can run on LNG. That comes amid growing scrutiny over natural gas because of methane emissions. Methane is a potent greenhouse gas, and it has a way of leaking both in the upstream supply chain and from vessel engines. Hansen said that if there's no methane slip, LNG can cut greenhouse gas emissions by 20% compared to conventional fuel, so allowing methane to leak out into the atmosphere from ships defeats the purpose. Buddy told me that the vast majority of car carriers that ship owners have ordered are using MAN's so-called MEGI engines, which have minimal slippage of methane. Because that is what the driver for them. It, it's not about money. It's simply about uh, presenting their end customer to a lower uh, greenhouse gas footprint. Here's more on the environment and the business of the ocean. Are floating nuclear power plants the future of zero emissions energy? That's the question raised by the Green Seas newsletter, which explored the growing number of proposals from the maritime sector to build vessels with small modular reactors to produce energy for remote locations. Get the newsletter in your inbox by signing up at tinyurl.com greenseas. A group of companies that includes commodities giant Cargill has designed a Camsermax bulk carrier that will be ready to run on methanol and to use wind propulsion. Shipowner Minerva Dry, Classification Society Lloyd's Register, Shipyard Nax, and the company that runs the Liberian shipping flag were also involved in the project. Read that story and more at tradewindsnews.com. Our colleagues at Recharge have reported that Canada's Northland Energy will not pursue further offshore wind projects for two to three years after closing on two projects in Poland and Taiwan. Chief Executive Mike Crawley said the company wants to lock down costs while it works on these projects, and it hopes the offshore wind construction supply chain will work itself out during the pause. Read the story at rechargenews.com. Music for this episode is by Fast Sounds on Pixabay. 